1: Empty Set Entertainment presents Slay, created by Scott Sigler. This story is intended for mature audiences only. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, junkie. I hope you are doing well. It's February already. Man, time is just ripping along. Welcome to Slay Season 1, Episode Number 6. The Grand Experiment Continues. Six episodes in, I'm really starting to get a feel for this new universe and the little the seeds and pieces I've laid in the first 5 6 episodes are starting to more come to life and knit themselves together. It's very exciting for me as a creator to start to see this really really ramping up and happening. I think Lincoln's story is becoming more and more compelling. I'm enjoying writing him a lot. I'm digging the start of secondary characters, Magda, Dragon, Kalista, and a few others, and there's a few more secondary characters that are coming in future episodes. I hope you find them interesting as well. As for Billy, at this point, I am not sure if he's a secondary character or a co-main character. I've got all kinds of stuff mapped out for him, got the scenes planned, but I don't know how prominent he will be in those scenes, or if he's the kind of character that jumps off the page and lodges in your subconscious as a real person. That is always my objective to try and do very subtle things that you, you kind of don't see me doing. And then at some point the character stops being someone or it stops being a character and starts to sort of become a real person. And you feel for them. You feel emotion for their struggles. When I do that, that is my objective. And then you guys enjoy the story a whole lot more. So we have to see if that really happens with Billy. We'll find out as we go with the story. Remember, that I read these episodes for the first time in the world live every Wednesday at 6 p.m. Pacific, 9 p.m. Eastern. You can join A Real Girl and I and a ton of junkies on the live stream at youtube.com slash facebook.com slash and twitch.tv slash We would love for you to come and hang out with us. Let me get you caught up on the story so far, and then we're all going to go eat some crackers. previously on Slay. Lincoln Franks hunts monsters for money, but he isn't completely freelance. Underworld boss Kalista controls the fate of Lincoln's son, which means she controls Lincoln. She ordered him to take out an as-yet unnamed lawyer. After two back-to-back killings, though, Lincoln was exhausted and needed to rest. He returned to his home, an abandoned old stone church where his plans for sleep were hijacked by his little dog, Dragon, and his substance-abusing roomie, Magda. Lincoln and Magda descended into a night of booze and gobbers, a drug that lets takers see the same ultra-realistic hallucinations. Lincoln isn't the only one with a drug problem. Dealers forced young Billy Lilby Middleton to take a dose of Nerpal. A purple, liquid substance that made him see monsters. And also, a talking mailbox with lips from the Rocky Horror Picture Show movie poster. When we last saw Billy, he was stumbling through a city now alive with magic, trying to get back to his house where he lives with his grandmother. Part One A Perfect Summer Afternoon Lincoln lay on a pink blanket on a hill in a park, watching his 10-year-old son run across the grass, laughing and giggling, trying to make a blue kite fly aloft. Lincoln rested on one elbow, holding a soft black pillow closely against his chest. Everything felt so nice. He didn't hurt. Not one part of his body. And certainly not his heart, which felt full to the point of exploding. Sam is growing so fast, Amanda said. Lincoln looked at his partner. She was on the blanket, an unopened red picnic basket between them. Her eyes were mahogany brown, impossibly beautiful, like powerful soul lights calling a wayward ship home, even though the red, white, and blue Buffalo Bills football helmet hid most of her face. He is, Lincoln said. Together, we'll watch him grow into a man. Amanda smiled at him from behind the black face mask, her orange and black Cincinnati Bengals helmet reflecting the afternoon sun. That was odd. He couldn't really see her face. Some kind of shadow covering it. From the helmet, probably. But why did the shadow seem to... to waver? To move? Lincoln, honey, Amanda said. Did you float an air biscuit? He hadn't farted, or at least he didn't think he had, But he found himself looking at the paper plate on the blanket next to him at the half-eaten plastic tin of brown-baked beans in the open picnic basket. She who smelt it dealt it, he said. Maybe you. And then the smell hit him. Assaulted him. Nothing alive should be able to make an odor so vile like a four-day-old dead squirrel dunked in spoiled milk and wrapped up in a puffy coating of rotten eggs. Lincoln coughed. And when he did, his family and the park, and the kite, and the picnic basket blinked to black. The good feelings vanished, replaced by pain and lots of it. Pain in his joints, in the four broken ribs that had almost healed but not quite, in the scars that were still fresh, in the places metal or claws or teeth had punched into his muscle and bone, and in his head. Oh, gods that be, the pain in his head. He heard a sound like someone stretching the neck of a filled balloon, letting out a tiny squeak of air at a time, felt a puff of wind against his face, and then the stench assaulted him anew. Lincoln opened his eyes. He was still holding the pillow, only it wasn't a pillow. It was Dragon, his dog, all fuzzy and black, curled up against his chest and facing the other way. The dog's butt was an inch from his face. Lincoln sat up. Dragon slid off of him. They were on the floor. The dog blinked tiredly, still mostly asleep. She stretched and farted again. Lincoln stood. His skull hammered from within, so hard he stumbled and would have fallen had he not gripped the couch's armrest. About time, Magda said. Here comes the best part of waking up. The rest of the old jingle, Folgers in your cup, played in his head. Without looking, Lincoln extended a hand, felt warm ceramic press into it. He drank. It burned his tongue and his throat, but he didn't care. The heavenly scent of cheap coffee chased away, for a brief moment, the smell of his dog's putrefying innards. Thanks, Lincoln said. Ah, did we have a party last night? Magda laughed. Yeah! A rager. You, me, Dragon, Jack Daniels and his partner Jimmy Beam, and several ounces of gobbers. Ah. That explained the nuke in his noggin. Jack and Jimmy brought head hurt. So, too, did gobbers. Put them all together and what's it spell? Pain. That's what it spelled. He drained the mug. Magda took it, pressed a second into his hand. Dare you go, she said. Feel any better? No. My brain feels like a boiled turd. I will never feel better ever again. Not your head, Magda said. In your soul. I could tell you needed to blow off some steam last night. Lincoln opened one eye, saw his roomie standing there in pajamas decorated with Sesame Street characters. So I have a soul? You always gotta be a smart ass. Magda shook her head. Yes, Link, you do have a soul. And it's good no matter how many times you try to beat yourself down for shit that's beyond your control. Ah, Magda Magdalene, ever the optimist. He sipped his coffee, glanced at the garbage can, and a few memories slipped back in. You said we did gobbers? Uh Uh-huh. A few more memories returned. Did we, uh, hallucinate Oompa Loompas? Yep, Magda said. Did I, did I make out with one? No, Link. You made out with two of them. Uh, boy Oompa Loompas or girl Oompa Loompas? You remember when I put on Charlie in the Chocolate Factory? Lincoln thought. He couldn't place it. The Johnny Depp one? Not in this lifetime, Magnus said. That abomination will never play in my presence. The real Charlie. Gene Wilder. Remember? Lincoln thought. Remembered the classic flick playing on the big screen, hanging in front of the church pulpit. He nodded, instantly regretting moving his head even a tiny bit. Yeah, he said, I remember now. Did any of those orange-skinned, green-haired freaks look like they present female to you? Lincoln thought for a moment. So I made out with a boy oompa-loompa then. That's great. No, Magda said,
0: you made out with two of them. Here's a quick question for you. How did you sleep last night? Shit,
1: dee do! Magna said. By the way, you got a visitor. She pointed to the Marshall guitar amp they used as their theater speaker. On top of it sat a black crow, feathers rumpled, left eye half-lidded, and a perpetual expression of "the fuck you looking at." Ariella Goldsmith. Shitbird said. Ariella Goldsmith. The only good lawyer is a dead lawyer. A dead lawyer. Give me a cracker. Ariella Goldsmith. What are you talking about, shitbird? Do your job, loser, the crow said. Ariella Goldsmith, 1112 First Street, third floor flat. A dead lawyer, a dead lawyer. Give me a fucking cracker. The memories rushed back. The trip to Kalisa's place. Kalisa showing Sam safe on the shelf with Nanny Naga. The last of the picnic dream's warm feelings crumbled away. Shit. He fished in his pocket, found a handful of broken oyster crackers, tossed them on the church floor. Calista said, I gotta kill some lawyer. Tell me it's Dylan Cantrell, Magnus said. As I pray to God, please, tell me it's Dylan Cantrell. No, it's not Dylan. That's too bad. It's some chick lawyer. Four hells. Was this hangover a ripe bastard? I'll go when it's dark. Lincoln glanced at the windows, which was stupid, because it hurt his head to do so, and because the windows were boarded up so tight, no outside light ever got in. "'Well, I've got another puzzle for you,' Magda said. "'It's already dark.' More memories came back. "'I asked you to make sure I was up before noon, and you said, "'Let me think. No problem. I'll make sure. "'I look like a goddamn babysitter to you, Link.' You're a grown-ass man! Manage your own alarm clock! What did this lawyer do, anyway? Magda did not, in fact, look like a babysitter. Unless babysitters wore pajamas, had three ragged, parallel scars on their cheek, and had frizzy, black bed hair courtesy of half-finished, then-abandoned dreadlocks. Link, she said, softer. You don't know what this lawyer did? He shook his head, this time welcoming the pain. So this lawyer could be an innocent. No wickedness at all in her threads? Lincoln nodded. That hurt. And that was okay, because he deserved it. Fuck a bag of ducks, Magda said. We've got to get your kid off the shelf and get you out of that contract. I didn't wake you up, but I did prep your gear. Everything is sharpened and reloaded. You want to shower up before you go to work? Lincoln sniffed his right armpit. It wasn't as bad as Dragon's farts, but it wasn't exactly freshly baked peach pie, either. He felt clammy all over. Yeah, I'd like to take a quick one. Too bad, Magda said. Shower ain't worked in three days. You might as well get going. And if you come across any cash out there, grab it. Gotta pay extra for a plumber to come to this neighborhood. Sometimes, he wanted to punch Magda. They walked out of the nave into his bike. Their footsteps brought Dragon fully awake. He madly circled their feet, her little legs a blur, her eyes wide, her tongue flapping. Every third or fourth step, she let out another tiny fart squeak. Magda had draped Lincoln's dull, slate-gray armor across the candle stand. She helped him put on the Curious, then the pauldrons, and the rest of the arm pieces, then the leg armor, and the boots. He slid the gauntlets on himself. It all fit perfectly, made for him by the best armors in existence, modified and altered by Magda dozens of times. Once on, the armor felt weightless, as much a part of him as his heart, as his hands. His weapons were laid out in a neat row on the church entryway's tile floor. Custom Lancehead limbless crossbow, which fired bolts at 420 feet per second, four bolts already in the side-mounted quiver. His Skegex or Bearded Axe, forged sometime back in the 9th century. His sword, Tizona, in its protective leather sheath, burned in runes gleaming faintly. Keltec PRM-30 with three 30-round magazines. The handgun was a gift from Magda several years ago. And a Vepper 12 semi-auto shotgun with three 12-round mags. Lincoln had picked up the Veper 12 fighting alongside this O'Doyle dude in a nasty encounter against some corporate fucks trying to utilize Hitler's magic arsenal from World War II. Lincoln was still in trouble with the Bastion for that one, and he didn't even work for the Bastion anymore. Gear up, Magda said, and handed him his cloak. Lincoln started to put it on, noticed something, held it out in front of him. You cleaned it, he said. Magda nodded. Bad luck to go out with bloody Kit. You know that. Sometimes he wanted to hug Magda. Dragon's mad, zoomy circles tightened and tightened. Lincoln wasn't sure how the tiny buddy stayed on her feet. One piece at a time, Lincoln put the weapons inside his cloak, hanging them in the hidden folds, feeling the weapons become like fabric themselves, loose and flexible. Oh! Here's a crazy idea, Magda said. Maybe ask questions before you kill this time. It's also bad luck to murder innocents, and you know that, too. Mind your own business, Magda sang. If you are wise, you will listen to me. Will you knock it off with of that Oompa Loompa crap? She bent, lightning fast, and snatched the circling dragon off the floor. She cradled the dog in one arm. Scooched a long, floppy, furry black ear in the other. Just be careful, Link, Magda said. You're all we've got. They both relied on him. How well had that worked out for the other people who had relied on him? Not well at all. It's just another job, Mags. Good, Magda said. And this time, don't forget to pick up the goddamn eggs. She walked back into the nave. Keeping a firm grip on Dragon, who stretched and clawed and whined with all her doggy might to get back to Lincoln. You're all we've got. Sure, Magda was an agoraphobic asshole who didn't bring in a penny, and Dragon had farts that would melt tungsten, but they were his people, and he was theirs. He would be careful. He would. Time to go kill a lawyer. Lincoln turned his bike around and rolled it out the church's front door. Billy Middleton awoke, shivering, wrapped in a cold, wet blanket. He felt sick all over, like the flu, but twice as bad. He wasn't sure what time he'd gotten home. Late as hell. Early as hell, depending on how one looked at things. When he'd slipped into his room via the fourth-floor window, thank you, fire escape, the horizon had been molten red as the sun prepared to rise. His stomach roiled, hard and vicious. He had only enough time to lean over the side of the bed before he vomited. Yellow bile, some whitish stuff, and globs of curdled purple. Purple. The nurple. But Dante had given him only a couple of drops of nurple. The reeking mess on the floor had clumpy chunks, as if he'd eaten three purple scrambled eggs. Another churn slammed into him. He puked again, the pressure in his eyes and agony in his brain as his body locked up tight. He managed a half breath before a third belly thud hit home. A dry heave this time. Nothing came out. That didn't stop his toes from curling or his eyes from watering. When he could breathe again, he fell back on the bed. Sheets were wet, too, from his sweat. His mouth felt dry. The shakes, the sweats, the puking. The agony inside his body. He'd seen friends like this before. Too many friends. Friends who had been strung out. Was he... Was he already addicted to Nerpal after just one dose? Was he going through DTs? A knock at his door made him jump. Would have made him pee if he'd had anything in his bladder. William, baby, are you all right? Did I hear you throw up? Grandma. Billy looked at the nasty mess on the floor. If Grandma came in and saw it, she'd insist on taking him to urgent care. They didn't have insurance. Grandma said she didn't trust insurance but she kept enough money for a visit stashed away somewhere in the apartment. He grabbed his sweat-soaked pillow and threw it atop the puke. William, baby? I'm all right, Grandma, Billy said. Just, uh, it's just a frog in my throat is all. I had to cough it out. You can lie to your friends, William, but not to your grandma. I'm coming in to see. I'm making it to have an erection. The words just came out, driven by sheer panic. Had he just screamed at his grandma that he had a boner? Oh, Grandma said. Well, that's normal and healthy for a boy your age. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Are you telling me that I shouldn't be ashamed of my grandmother coming into my room and seeing me naked with a heart on? A pause. He watched the door handle, almost as terrified of seeing it turn as he was of seeing, say, an ogre and a goblin dressed in tracksuits. "'Well, I suppose you have a point,' Grandma said. "'Why don't you shower, William, baby, and I'll make you some breakfast. How about eggs and grape juice?' Billy glanced at his wet pillow, trying and failing not to imagine what lie beneath. "Uh, "'No grape juice. No eggs, Grandma. Um, we got any Frosted Flakes?' We sure do, baby, Grandma said through the door. I'll get it ready for you. He felt another dry heave coming on. It was all he could do to hold it back until he heard her footsteps reach the end of the hall. Then his rebellious stomach curled him into a fetal position so hard and so fast he hit himself in the forehead with his own knee. Would this go away? He didn't want to feel like this. He couldn't keep feeling like this. The mailbox, the lipstick-talking mailbox, as fucked up as it was to consider that a real thing, had said Billy would come back to see the NERP perp. That had to be a drug dealer that dealt in, well, obviously, in nerpal. Fuck that, Billy had said. I'm not doing this stuff ever again. Sure you're not, kid, the mailbox had said. Sure you're not. A wave of sandpaper and needles slid across Billy's skin. Oh God, did he hurt? Would seeing the nerp perp make the pain go away? No, he wouldn't do that. He had friends who'd beaten heroin, mostly beaten it anyway. He could do this. It had only been one hit, one dab, as Dante had called it. Billy just had to be tough. Joe had gotten him into the drug game. Joe was dead. Because of the drug game. Billy wasn't going out like that. No way. He forced himself out of bed. He gathered up the sweat and puke stained stuff and put it in his laundry basket. A shower. A shower and some frosted flakes. Then he could sneak his stuff down to the laundry room. He had enough change in his mason jar to do a couple of loads. Grandma didn't even have to know. But first, A shower. Shivering madly, teeth chattering, Billy wrapped his towel around his naked waist. And even that hurt his skin. A shower, and then he would start putting this entire nightmare behind him. You have been listening to Slay, created and read by Scott Sigler. Copyright 2023, Empty Set Entertainment. For more information on the author and more books, visit scottsigler.com. Theme music is the song They're Watching Me by the band Super Weapon.
0: to engage in the conversation about how we're spending our time now providing a forum for successful dads to share their joys and challenges of being a working parent you'll get to hear from a wide range of business dads from rain wilson and guy roz to todd carmichael and shane battier and while this podcast will talk about business and will definitely be featuring dads i think everyone can learn something from these incredible conversations as we unpack the expectations we all have about careers, relationships, and ourselves. Business Dad is available now, so be sure to listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.